Blog Talk Radio. Following on the heels of Ghostbusters, 
you know, Star Trek was certified fresh. Jason Bourne, I believe, is fresh. Uh, nope. <laughs> Just about rotten. 57%. Not as bad as some of the other ones, though. I mean, we, we, we've had some real dogs this year that were mostly in the 30% area. This one, this one, I, I, I think, we'll get to it in a little bit, but it, it definitely, as, I, as we say on the Metal Hammer of Doom, suffers from a little bit of the same Z's. You know, this is, this is a trick we've seen the pony do before. And I think that's what's causing a lot of the problems here. I don't know how fair that is. Well, again, we'll talk about that when we do our uh, rip the reviewers to shreds bit. But uh, we are talking about Jason Bourne. <laughs> Eventually, I'd get to the title of the film, right? Tonight, we are reviewing Jason Bourne. Uh, Bourne, 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 Bourne. This is the uh, fourth one starring Matt Damon and the fifth one in the series. Tomorrow night on The Long Road to Rowan, we'll talk about the first three movies, the Bourne identity, the Bourne supremacy, and the Bourne conundrum, or whatever it was called. Um, not the one with uh, Hawkeye. No, no Jeremy Renner. We will not be doing the Bourne Legacy. Uh, this is the fourth, as I said, the fourth uh, starring Matt Damon. This is 10 years uh, after the events of the last movie with him, which I believe was 2007. Um, the Bourne, Bourne Supremacy, the Bourne, I, didn't, I can't remember. Anyway. It's after, basically, he figured out who the, the, who the hell he was and uh, the exposed Operation Blackbriar. Uh, I just heard from Robert. He will be on any minute now. So uh, I'll talk a little bit about where we are in between films here. Uh, and then I'll allow him to come on and uh, we'll, we'll get through what happened in this movie. But uh, basically what we have, if you, if for whatever reason you're listening to this podcast and you don't know exactly what the Jason Bourne movies are all about, these were uh, adaptations from books by uh, Robert Ludlow. There Ludwig. were four adaptations of books. Oh, Jesus. We would, we... <laughs> Ladies and uh, gentlemen, uh... your aunt's at a picnic, your rain on your parade, your, your, your wind that knocks the ice cream off the cone... You're peeing someone's milk. Ladies and gentlemen, Robert Winfrey, how do you do, sir? Uh, I'd be better if my internet didn't keep blinking on and off throughout the majority of the day and prevented me from doing what I'm supposed to do here on a weekly basis. But, hey, what am I going to do about it? Um, Then I actually had to dig up my phone because, well, turns out Skype and Blog Talk are having one of their famous spats. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, I apologize to everyone. I'm I'm deeply frustrated at the moment by that entire circumstance, and I apologize, Mark. I try to be at least somewhat reliable when it comes to this show in particular or, you know, anything you ask me, anything I do for the network in general, and... So I'm going to kick myself a few times. I'm going to curse out Comcast for being yeah, the best option, but a relatively terrible one, despite its near monopolistic status. And you we'll not, move on to the movie review here. Did you not have the internet at this point, or do you, or are you still are you fighting with Comcast, or is or is that done? 
but now it's you're having a problem. for the moment. I make no promises regarding. <laughs> if we get cut off, then it's, I'm blaming Comcast again because my again my phone comes through them as well. So. Okay. Well, but now, for the moment we seem to be relatively stable, and we're just going to kind of hope that does. There's no reason for that to alter in the near future. Well, Tommy, I can hear you, so let's keep going. I, I, just just so that there's some continuity here, and then I'm going to pitch to you. Uh, these movies are about a CIA assassin who takes a knot to the head and doesn't remember who he is or what he's on about. Uh, and so the first movie is trying to figure that out, and it's kind of a memento-style type thing where, you know, he starts to figure... The, the great mystery is who is he and why, and, and why was he, you know, shot in the back and on a boat? Uh, how'd he get there? And so the, the first movie sort of deals with just that. It's him, you know, figuring out over the span of two hours that he was an assassin for the CIA and that he was in Marseille uh, and that he had a mission and he had a crisis of conscience. And, uh, and that was that. Um, in the second movie, uh, they set, the second movie is a, is a bit of a um, mess. <laughs> I was going to say, well, the CIA knew the FBI was selling them out to the DEA. Um, it, it's a, essentially a crime gets pinned on him thinking he makes the nap patsy, seeing as he's now a defunct agent uh, in hiding. And so he comes out of hiding to clear his name and to wreak all kinds of havoc. And then the third one, it's more finding out, uh, more finding out who he is and what he's on about and how he got into the program. And, um, and you know, who he real, what his real name is, uh, and along the way, he exposes the CIA's dirty, dirty, dirty secrets. Um, and that's the trilogy in and of itself. And so, here it is, ten years later. Now, now at this point, Jason Bourne has done all he can to hurt the CIA, and he's learned all about himself. There's no more story to tell. Well, you're wrong, 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 wrong. They have somehow managed to scratch out yet another mystery for this man to solve. They have, scr- they have scratched the surface of yet another layer of untruth that has been fed to this man that he can get angry about and blow certain cities to pieces. And that is where I will pitch it over to you, Robo and Free. Um, what, what is this man on about in, in, in this fourth installation of uh, the Bourne series? Uh, you know, it occurs to me that I will. I no longer have the – I missed my chance to yell at you uh, at your opening song this week. I'm sad about that. It was a very. Uh, I look forward to that as part of my week. Would you like to take a minute to pee on children and talk about how much you hate summer? <sighs> well, you see, movies like this do very little to alter my current perception and how I interact with the season in general. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, I will skip that. Let's. Uh, you know, Mark just very re- briefly talked about the franchise to this point, and he's he and Sean Comer are going to go in depth with that discussion tomorrow on the Long Road to Ruin. Very eloquently, by the way, I thought I did a very eloquent job of summing up what is it was an exceedingly complex and almost headache-inducing franchise. You do a better job than others. I'll give you that. <laughs> what? Why? Thanks. Uh, fine, you do a better job than most others. Okay. 
So what's it all about? What's he on about? Why is he so mad? Well, Jason Bourne finds us, as Mark said, 10 years on. Julia Stiles is back. Uh, I think that's her name, at least. Yes. And I kept waiting for her to dance. I wanted her to dance around Jason Bourne. Every movie. references to crappy romantic comedies from the late 90s or early 2000s are not welcome here, sir. I wanted her to dance with the black with the black youth, and I wanted her to give him uh, exposition that way. See previous statement. <laughs> Go on. Anyway, she engages in a. All right, I, I need to. I need to stop myself right there for one moment. I'm oh, going no. to try and do this synopsis straight, and I'm going to do my level best not to utter the phrase which will be featured so prevalently when we actually get around to reviewing the movie. That being, none of this works that way. <laughs> I have to find the Mr. Wizard thing. <laughs> All right, anyway, we kind of open with Julia Stiles hacking into the CIA from a remote location in Iceland. Uh, She obtains files, leading her to believe that the original program that recruited Jason Bourne and turned him into a heartless, mindless assassin for the government is, while it has been shut down and revamped, it's been shut down, reimagined, repackaged, retooled, and constantly brought back up into its most recent iteration, Iron Hand. Uh, Jason Bourne is engaged in copious bouts of self-pity, allowing himself to be beaten by Eastern European men in underground fight rings to make money. Because, you see, it's self-pity. He's got a crisis of conscience, and the only way he knows how to express this... I know, I just this needs explaining very briefly. The only way for him to express this guilt is to allow inferior athletes and fighters to pummel him for a few rounds in almost bare-knuckle fighting. Uh, Nikki reaches out to him. They meet in Greece because, you know, the Grecian economy and political structure is still a mess. Uh, She attempts to give... She gives him files, but in the process is shot and killed by Vincent Cassell, who is probably the best part about this entire movie. The name... Never mind. I'll, I'll save my comments till you're done. Sorry, what was that? I, I almost said, what, the nameless, faceless zombie that's chasing him? I mean, I said, you know what, that's better left for the review. Yeah, Vincent Cassell is, and that should tell you something about this movie. <laughs> so she gives him the file, then what happens? And then the dad broke. He, well, he's able to locate this third party, who is referenced as being someone akin to Edward Snowden, because we really need more of that in the world. Uh, He is able to decrypt the files, but when Nikki stole the files, there was malware implanted into them by our fresh-faced head of cyber ops, despite being younger than I am, a person at the CIA. So she begins tracking him. We also have Tommy Lee Jones as the director of the CIA, who's trying to kill him. Uh, There's a bit of crappy uh, who's serving who for a while there while he goes a little bit globe hopping trying to get even. There's a crappy subplot involving the CIA having funded and trying to coerce access from, uh, I forget the character's name, 
the guy who runs a completely unspecified social media platform empire where, look, this guy speaks only in Internet buzzwords because no, anyone who would write this movie either fundamentally understands that what's being pitched doesn't work and is trying to obfuscate their you know, crappy premise, or they don't know enough about it and speak only in buzzwords. Again, none of this works this way. Uh, whereby the CIA plans to spy on everyone on a near-global scale through various social media platforms. As though this is somehow necessary, we're more than willing to throw our information out there for free, but society notwithstanding. Anyway, uh, this all con- this converges at a con- convention of some sort in Las Vegas, where Tommy Lee Jones plans to have Vincent Cassell kill this billionaire, char- uh, you know, software developer, what have you, uh, wound him, kill the girl because she decided that she didn't trust Tommy Lee Jones and is trying to oust him. Uh, never mind the myriad of ways this doesn't work. Uh, this goes badly. Bourne shows up, thwarts the assassination attempt. In the interim, he's repressed memory discovered that Vincent Cassell actually killed his father, who helped establish the Treadstone program. And now he's after revenge, I don't know, revenge, I assume. So he and Vincent Cassell engage in a car chase through the streets of Vegas that is terrible for the most part. No, hang on a second. The the whole thing with Vincent Cassell was that when they exposed Blackbriar, he was exposed and he ended up being tortured. So this is more than just a gig for Vincent Cassell. He's out for revenge for... Uh, he, he, he's got a vendetta against Bourne. It turns out that, again, he killed Bourne's father, so now Bourne has a vendetta against him. This is all needless subplot again, mind you. Uh, they engage in a... That part of it. I, like, I got the part about him being being exposed exposed by uh, the, the Blackbriar, but the fact that he killed his father... The only thing about the father that I picked up in the movie was the father... Wasn't wasn't killed by a terrorist. He was killed uh, essentially to get him out of the way of um, adopting Matt Damon into Tread, Treadstone. Yeah, Vincent Cassell was the guy who did that. Okay. Well, uh, well, this movie is so not good that I missed that element of the story. You miss many elements of many stories. That's why I do this. Go on. Uh, they wind up engaging in a fist fight in a Las Vegas aqueduct. Mike, uh, Matt Damon kills Vincent Cassell. Uh, random chick is theoretically promoted towards the head of the CIA, which, again, I really have to stress this, would not work that way. Uh, she attempts to re- bring Jason Bourne back into the fold of the CIA. He declines, having overheard her say that if she can't use him, she will have him killed because he objects to people trying to kill him. And roll credits with ample sequel bait having already been sprinkled around. Did I miss anything, Mark? No, and, and even if you haven't... You know, if you did miss something, if you've watched the the first, the um, the second or the third movie, you've seen this movie before. Literally, you just got to move around the actors, and it's the exact same movie as the second and third movie. It's 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 Jason Bourne in hiding, 
drawn out of hiding by plots and then people standing in a room with computers using various cameras to find him all over the place. Um, two action sequences, a car chase, a, a, a final action sequence, and Matt Bourne walking into the distance. Uh, Matt Bourne, that's, that, that's Doink the Clown. Um, and Jason Bourne walking into the distance. It's the same movie over and over and over again. It's head- All of these movies are the same movie. Except no, for Legacy, one. which was not good. Well, I would say the Bourne identity at least has the novelty of him uh, not knowing who he is and trying to stumble through, try, figuring, uh, figuring it out, you know, and having these moments of, you know, these almost Matrix moments of, oh, hey, I can do that. And, oh, my God, I speak Dutch, you know, that sort of thing, um, which, I thought, which I found the most interesting out of watching all four of these movies. Uh, so I give the Born Identity a pass. It's, if nothing else, it was the first one, and so it has the the novelty effect. But the the Born Supremacy and the uh, the what's the other one I can't think of? Ultimatum. Thank you. The Born Ultimatum are the same movie, and so is Jason Bourne, basically. It, it, they, they draw yeah, him out Paul of Paul Greengrass knows how to make one movie. That's my problem with this whole thing, is if you're not into extended action sequences, this was my complaint about Mission Impossible and why I didn't, you know, it ended up being a lot better than what I thought it was going to be, but my initial, like, I don't want to go see this movie and here's why, is is if I want to see, I enjoy the comic book movies because because of the fantasy element and because, you know, the, the you know, something like Transformers, because it's big and it's circusy, and it's the sort of thing that makes Robert Winfrey want to, you know, hide his face in the toilet. Die. But it makes me want to die. Okay, but that's you, Sonny. <laughs> but I like a big giant circus, and I like flashy colors, and I like, you know, and and, and I like things to be big. And so and jingling I, keys, we know. I am not a cat. Um... <laughs> I infant. was referencing more, you know, babies, but okay. I'm I, not an infant either. I am a 40-year-old man, and I'm not going to apologize for what I like. Uh, and I like a circus. Nor so, should you. But my point is that, you know, you, you take away the bigness, you take away the fantasy, and all you're left with is a bunch of guys throwing punches and, and elaborate car chases. And, you know, you go as far back as The Matrix Reloaded, which did an amazing car chase, you know, or the Dark Knight, or even the Dark Knight Rises, which had, which had some fun car chases. I suppose there's only so many ways you can do this, and after a while, it's just watching cars bang into one another. Again, you know, we have a, a word for this on here when it comes to uh, destruction. You know, you know, we we call it what is destruction porn. It's it's almost getting to a point now where we're where we're getting into car wreck porn. And We've I, been in that position since the television show Chips, which ended every episode with a large crash on the highway. Oh, I can't wait then for next year to see what they come up with. Um, my, my point being that without the flashiness of the superhero genre or the nonsense of the Michael Bay boom genre, uh, I find movies like this to be dreadfully boring. And then when you, you know, and then when it's the same structure and the same plot elements of two previous movies, it's even worse. I couldn't wait for this thing to end. 
And it's not in and of itself a bad movie. Let me let me get this let me make this perfectly clear because I, I brought this up on Facebook with reference to Suicide Squad and you know Robert Winfrey uh, ran across the house, tripped over his own shoes, and fell on the computer because he was running so fast to tell me that I was that, that he was right and I was wrong. And we don't know because we haven't seen the fucking movie yet. But <laughs> critics, the critics all hate Suicide Squad. Shock of all shocks. But we don't know if it's a good or bad movie because we haven't seen it yet, so we can't judge. Uh, and just because the critics say it's bad doesn't mean it actually is bad. They could just be bad at their job. See two segments from now when we talk. <laughs> when we I will the say this. Normally when they're wrong, it's they're not r- that wrong. Seventy percent of the movie critics are very rarely wrong. It's happened in the past. I... Again, I had no interest in Suicide Squad to begin with, and then come to find out a few days ago that it was PG-13. And at that point, I was like, what's the point? I mean, really, well, of all the properties that could that need an R rating to kind of help gel it, help make it work, I mean, Suicide Squad is pretty high up there. Well, the, the point that I'm trying to get to is that Suicide Squad, Batman v Superman, Jason Bourne, Several of the movies this year have all fallen into the same critic uh, critic hole, and that is this movie does not elevate the genre. This movie does not do anything different with the genre or even the franchise. So a lot of the complaints that I'm making, they're, they're echoing. They're saying, um, and let's just talk specifically about Jason Bourne here. They're saying, hey, it's the same movie again, and therefore it sucks. And that doesn't follow. Just because it's the same doesn't mean it's bad. If you're talking uh, from a craft point of view, well, you either like the GoPro direction you know, of Ball Greengrass or you don't. You know, I don't particularly enjoy shaky cam. I don't enjoy the GoPro uh, thing, but people do. Um, it's, it's one of the hallmarks of the Jason Bourne series. And there was nothing particularly egregious about its use in this movie, so that gets a pass. Um, the performances are on par. Uh, I can't say they were any better I think or anything. The problem we run into when looking at this movie critically versus the other three in the series is, like you said, it's the same movie. So you're either being overly hard on this one for being derivative and repetitive, which it is, and that's a legitimate criticism in some ways, or you're tacitly admitting you were wrong about the previous two when you gave them glowing praise. But that's the thing. You know, this was the Star Wars argument. Oh, my God, it's a new hope all over again. Only they, they, you know, they they created an extra character. (sighs) I don't believe that to be legitimate criticism, Robert Winfrey. I think, you know, you can you can point out singsiness, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Unless, you know, uh, it is if it was bad the first time around. Well, then we're talking again about something else. We're not talking about singsiness. We're talking about something that is definitively bad and doing the same bad thing again. Um, I think people have, you know, let, let, let's, let's just talk about the, the born supremacy. Right? It's the sequel to The Born Identity. I gave The Born Identity all kinds of passes because it was the first one. And then they did the same thing again with The Born Supremacy. Um, there's not a whole lot different about that movie. 
So you, so if you're just judging it on its own, <laughs> I'm going to repeat a lot of this tomorrow. If you, uh, maybe not. Um, who knows? But if you're, if you're, let me say it this way. I believe you should judge Jason Bourne on its own merits and stop comparing it to the other movies. I think, I think uh, uh, one point of criticism to say, hey, it's not all that different from the, from the previous two. Fine, it's been said. But then you have to elevate your own criticism and say, now look at this thing distinctually from, from everything else. Put it, put, you know, put it by itself on a pedestal. Is it good or bad? Okay, I don't care that it's nothing you haven't seen before. Are the performance? I say this every podcast. Are the performances good or bad? What's no, the direction? They're not. <laughs> That's my thing about this movie. I don't. I wasn't going to see this movie. I I went in to see the Born Identity, and I walked out of that movie very aggravated. Why Mostly did you walk because, out of that movie very aggravated? Because I read the book years before the movie came out, and I was pissed that they left half the book off the movie. Okay. Gen- generally aggravated by the adaptation. Because I was, too, I was too looking for a one-to-one adaptation of the source material. My own problem there. Rewatching it a little bit later, it's fine on its own. I didn't care too much for it. I, have ne- I rewatched it that one other time because I realized, again, how much baggage I carried into viewing it and allowed that to it's fine that I have that point of comparison and there are valid criticisms to be drawn between the two by the same token I think I allowed my frustration with it to overshadow the appropriate elements and the good stuff that that movie did I went several years later I wound up watching two and three back to back and realized no they're just the same movie and really, it's not that good. Well, okay. Let, 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 I mean, let, let's talk about some critical elements here of what makes it bad or good. Um, real quick. But I, I, let, let, me, let me add on this point. This is why on Long Road to Ruin, I don't like to get into source material. Because you can get too hung up on where's Tom Bombadil. And I feel like that takes away... I don't think that's fair to the people who worked hard to create a visual medium. I just don't. I, I feel like an adaptation is an adaptation, and it's not supposed to be a one-to-one recreation. Um, by the way, they tried that with a killing joke, and it sucked. Well, at least half of it did. Um, so I, I just I prefer to, to look at a film and judge it on, on the merits of does it work as a film. Now, I've already said what my biggest issue with the Bourne series is, is they, is they create this Superman who bullets bounce off of him, explosions don't affect him, nothing ever hurts him, he wins every fight, there's no tension in anything that happens because he's fucking Superman, only he's Superman in a sweater. He's the most disinteresting Superman I've ever seen, and after he got his, at least part of his memory back, he became even less interesting. It's basically he's a, he's a kung fu zombie who just just barrels through two hours of film and knocks over everything in his path. And the only thing that makes it even semi interesting to me is the the boardroom scenes where they're trying to find him and the interactions among the, the, the to me the best parts of the movie are focused on the CIA, not Jason Bourne. 
Like I said, I'm not now. Andrew Graham, God bless him, he's a super fan of of the Rattlers and Broadcasting Network. Seems to enjoy the combat aspect of these movies. He we had him on to talk about that with the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy and The Hobbit, and he's going to be on Long Road to Ruin tomorrow night to talk more about the, the hand-to-hand fighting style. And that's his bag, and God bless him. I can't stand it. It's annoying to me. I don't want to see an, you know, a two-hour kung fu movie starring Matt Damon from, you know, from, uh, I almost said Finding Forrester. Wrong movie. Um, Boston. He's the genius. I know, but I'm not going to tell you. God damn you, Winfrey. Why not? Because it's more of me. Because if I keep bailing you out, you'll never learn. <laughs> and the correct answer is goodwill hunting. Thank you. <laughs> I don't want to see a kung fu movie starring this, starring Matt Damon from Goodwill Hunting. There. <laughs> so, I have a rough time getting through these movies, where the only parts that I like are the frenetic scenes of them trying to find him you know, via computers and cameras. And then after that, it's like, eh, that's only one part of the movie. The rest of it's, you know, the rest of it's kung fu and the, you know, and car chases, which I don't care about, you know, unless it involves somebody in spandex or a monster. We know so, how limited your enjoyment profile is of stuff like this. It's okay. Well, no, I have to explain that to people so they understand, you know, why I'm so down on this movie. So there it is. And the, the least interesting Superman I've ever seen in a movie where the best parts don't feature him. That's my big problem with Jason Bourne overall. Now, See, I'm I would fundamentally to... disagree with you on a couple of points there. Okay. There's a shock. Go ahead. Point Anything involving the CIA in this movie bored me to tears. You keep saying disagree on something that is subjective. I love that you do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. All right. For an all, all right. Uh, allow me to make my point a little bit clearer. Nothing they do in this movie works that way. <laughs> okay, and that affects now. Your I am pre- uh, Hang on. Now I am prepared to go along with that in various places, to various degrees. Matt Damon being Superman at hand-to-hand combat, I can roll my eyes and go with it. If I, can, if I am being led to believe that Tom Cruise can be an unstoppable force of nature in a fist fight, I suppose I can stretch my – I can reel back in my disbelief enough for Matt Damon. I can't. I know you can't, and that's fine. I, I agree with – I actually really like on their – when they're on their own, I love the fight scenes in actually all of these movies. They're very well choreographed. They're very well shot. And yeah, you know, Bourne's going to come out on top. So what? Do you like Kung Fu movies? Uh, some of them, yeah. Well, okay. again, I'm a, I am a fan of well choreographed, well shot action sequences. Now, I, I, I like there to be story. I like there to be characters that I care about and Things of that nature, but I can watch an, in, a fight scene on its own and view it as a good part to a movie. And again, as a general rule, I don't care that much that I know who's going to win in these scenarios. You watch every superhero movie ever, and guess what? You know who's going to win. There's, a, there's such lack of 
tension and drama in film nowadays because of the uber-safe, let's set up sequels, we have to build franchises mentality that exists around your heroes, you, they never actually put them in jeopardy. So I can, I can go with that to varying degrees because I walk into these things knowing the outcome. And it takes all the drama and much of the fun out of it, but, it, but I've been at that point for the past several years with movies, and I'm okay with it. I'm not okay with it, but I've learned to adapt to it. The scenes with the CIA in this film are poorly acted. You have the black guy who serves no purpose. You have the woman who has all the emotional range of my dog. Probably less, because my dog gets pretty animated when she's about to be fed. And you have Tommy Lee Jones lending very little other than his name value to this. And it's the same sequences behind computers in front of monitors where people are typing frantically on things they don't need to type frantic. N- n- again, see, nothing in this movie works that way. We need you to hack the, the – quick, get me the power grid for Iceland. Really? And you're, n- not only do you request that, your poor flunky achieves it by banging away madly on a keyboard. Like a chimp. None of that works. By the way, the black guy's sole purpose in, these Bourne, in, the, in the Bourne movie was to yell, that's Jason Bourne. Look surprised and yell, that's Jason Bourne. That's his function. Okay. I accept your premise. Yay. So I, my point being that everything involving the CIA made me roll my eyes and go, that doesn't work that way. I could not get into it. There's no drama in what they do. There's no interest in what they do. All they do is spout exposition. And to be perfectly honest, I would rather have less exposition and more time with a character. So I don't care for anything with the CIA in this movie. I don't care for the, uh, for the three useless subplots. Uh, the, the, the one involving Vincent Cassell starts out somewhat interesting, that thankfully reminding the world, at least a little bit, that actions have consequences. You burned an entire covert network. You think that's not going to have repercussions for people in the field? <laughs> then they took it to a needless level of, no, he was the one who blew up your father because your father was actually integral in setting up Treadstone, but he, t- he didn't want you to be part of it. And uh, No. Shut up. Whoever author. wrote that in there needs to be fired. I was the author of all your pain, Jason. Yeah, it's that bad. <laughs> Ooh, I'm two for two. Yeah, no, that is, that's what it feels like. Is, uh, so, wait a minute. You mean they were watching me before they recruited me? Well, to a degree, that makes sense. You know, they're not going to pluck you out randomly. There is surveillance. But no, no, my dad was involved in it. Well, that's needless. 
Uh, and, oh, they killed him because he started having second thoughts. Also needless. And, oh, it was ordered by Tommy Lee Jones and executed by Vincent Cassell. I'm the author of all your pain, Matt. You may as well call me Ben Affleck. <laughs> uh, I hear you talk to fish. Sorry. Uh, it, it, it's it's on. Then there's the evil social network monitoring crap. First of all, let me start again. Nothing about this works this way. Nothing. I mean, he comes out there, I mean, the guy who designed this and says, I have, we've developed an individual integrated, perfectly unique, suited to the user social media platform. Well, no, you didn't. And uh, we're not going to mention any of the existing social media platforms. We're going to manufacture, again, this is like somebody who wrote this part of the movie looked up buzzwords that get spouted by uh, people and by guys who get up and make these announcements. They didn't actually do the research. Oh, I think they are playing on the idea of paranoia that, you know, through (laughs) through social media, your privacy will somehow be violated. My big grudge is less that they're playing on that. Fine, I accept that there's a bunch of idiots out there that will viscerally react to this theory. Okay, fine, play with that. But don't do it badly. Are you noticing a trend, at least this summer, in just lazy script writing? Lazing, hodgepodge. Oh, God. It's terrible. It's like, did you even get an editor from an independent third party to go over this and go, you know, we need, you need to make some work here, or is that this feels like two guys who got together, got high, wrote a movie, read it when they were sober, and just high-fived each other because they wrote a script. Well, I feel like in the, in the rush to get something out that is IP, uh, that is franchise, that studios are no longer doing quality control on scripts. They're just like, well, just give us something to shoot. Because people will, as long as people recognize the character in the movie, they will come. So quality is now giving way to shoving as, I mean, when you look at just our review schedule, I mean, I made a point of, you know, while I was uh, playing for time, waiting for you to come on, I thought thought you were ditching me tonight, as a matter of fact. Uh, No, again, I'm sorry, Netflix, uh, not Netflix, Comcast is... Grating on my nerves at times. So as I was playing for time, waiting, you know, stalling, waiting for you to come on, I talked about, you know, we really only do the tentpole movies. We do, you know, we do IP. We do, we do stuff that we know is going to bring, is, is, at least its purpose is to bring in big business. You know, we are not an indie podcast. <laughs> Which really pains me at times. I would love to add a couple of those just to keep my faith in film as a, medium alive. Well, speak up, you pansy. Jesus, why do I... <laughs> Just say you want to review something. I, My God. Well, I did... I think I talked you into adding uh, When a Monster Calls a little bit later this year, and I'm and okay I, with that. I didn't even argue with you about it. I, I know, I know. My Okay, <laughs> allow, me to, allow me to clarify that. 
typically the slightly smaller budget movies of quality that interest me are very stupidly scheduled to come out opposite Transformers. (laughs) And I I can't change the laws of time here. And I accept that... We're gonna. I'm gonna. I just accept that I'm going to suffer through three hours of shit, and then yell about it for an hour and a half here. I accept that when it comes to Transformers, I have to do that. We will. We will. We will revisit the 2017 schedule and see if we can find a few not shit movies to to review. uh, And again, the sad thing is, the things that like look interesting or well made or look that way and then won't be, so I can yell at them about that. I don't know why they are scheduled to come out the same weekend as these massive, theoretically billion-dollar properties. If you're going to do a gay cowboys eating pudding movie, and it's supposed to, you know, be Oscar bait and everything else, please stop putting it opposite fucking, you know, uh, Transformers or Jurassic Park or something. Anyway, the point that I was getting to was, now that I've, Probably lazy, probably lazy filmmaking. Oh, wait, one more thing. Just my final thing about this doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. The opening hacking sequence. First of all, at least they made an effort to display... When you hack something, you do not sit down and pound out at a keyboard. You have painstakingly written out algorithms and programs that you upload and then walk away from a computer. You, no one sits at a computer typing okay. at a keyboard to hack into stop. something. I have to stop you for a second. But uh, first of all, com- comedians, <laughs> film critics, everybody has comments about that. That is a trope that is, that is as old as the internet at this point. As soon as the concept of hacking became a thing, the look of hacking in film was to bang at a keyboard like a monkey on metal. What? Because... Because if you hey, actually, hey, hey, shut up. Because if you actually film somebody trying to hack something, it would look like this. Guy put, you know, puts in a stick or puts in, a, puts in a disc in the computer, gets up and makes coffee. That's not dramatic, <laughs> okay? There's no way to make that actionable. You can, no, 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 no. I'm going to disagree with you there. I think you can. You It's just more difficult and requires a little bit more investment in characters and in time and in actual writing ability. Okay, so we're back then, to the lazy. Anyway, my point there is, so they finally tried to make a hacking scene work, at least somewhat realistically, and then, no, no, Julie Stiles is still tapping at a keyboard, and the people being hacked are frantically pounding at things even though, again, fire, you don't monkey with firewalls. They're up and you leave them alone. You don't type at them if they're being attacked. That's not how that works. Then she, magic, she is able to, and again, I will concede the point that with enough time, effort, knowledge, budget, infrastructure, it is potentially possible to write a code that will get through the Uh, the firewalls around a government installation like the CIA. It's happened in the past. I acknowledge that that is potentially a thing. There is absolutely no way that there would be a file labeled Black Operations. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, were you not waiting for them to pull up a file that you know, also has a Flash insignia, Aquaman, and Cyborg as well? Here's, I mean, here's like, my. I mean, here's the thing. All of first of all, Black Ops, Black Operations, is not a military or a government term. That is a civilian term coined to explain those things. It is not. That is not official language. It wouldn't be labeled as such. Second, even if you were going to put all of your files on that one thing into a single file that could then be stolen, which is massively stupid, but let's assume, because I know you're a writer, you have to make a few assumptions. Let's assume the government and the people in charge of this are actually stupid enough to streamline all of that and put it in a single place. Not only is black operations not a term that would be used for that file, we have now, you are now saying that the Central Intelligence Agency is dumber than a 13-year-old trying to hide his stash of porn on a computer. So I work for a company... A 13-year-old kid knows to label his file full of naked pictures as something other than porn. I work for a company with a shared drive, and occasionally I have to go into it, the spreadsheet, to see if people are permanently uh, uh, ineligible for a program that I um, am partially responsible for at my job. And it's harder to find the goddamn. It was. It's harder for me to find that spreadsheet because nothing's labeled accordingly the way that it should be than it was for her to find the uh, the black ops. The, the theoretical kill squad being operated by the government. It it, it doesn't work that way. No. Um, I, uh, I look. I like that those those CIA scenes are acted. I mean, this is now coming down to I think preference. I don't think there's an objective qualifier as far as bad acting, good acting. I think this is broken into uh, the chick acts badly. That's all I'm saying. The others I will accept fall somewhere on the range of human emotion. I, I, I don't know. I, I would tell you that maybe there was a, some a, a flawed direction with you know, Paul Greengrass. I everyone don't care how we arrived at that position. She's the actor. <laughs> I'm, it, I'm, it's falling on her as far as that goes. Well, I, I would forgive the actor if the director was basically like, look, I need everyone. I need, I, I need everything delivered deadpan. Or, you know, I need everyone, everything delivered, you know, non-emotionally because I, I want you all to sound like soldiers. If that's the if that's what they're going for, you know. We, why we, we, why does Tommy Lee Jones actually have some emotional range in the movie? He doesn't. He doesn't. In my problem. I get, my problem with her and her deadpanness is not so much that she has it, so much as everyone else that she interacts with on any kind of level, even those who work for the CIA, actually have a bit of facial reaction and and you know change in the pitch of their voice every now and then. I have a theory. The She's a women robot, in, I know. I have, no, I have, I have a theory. The women in these movies have to play it straighter than the men because they're being held up against a, uh, a higher, a, a greater uh, stick. They, uh, it's harder for women to make it in the CIA and therefore they have to try twice as hard and be less because again again you know what what do people say about women oh they're so emotional right they're they're, they're too emotional to handle this serious of a job so they have to be extra super serial see mark 
You and I both know the writers did not think that hard. <laughs> but the director may have decided no, that the director going did not think that hard. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Nobody, nobody thinks. Got it. Mark, you saw the same movie I did, right? Yes, sir. I think nobody thinks is an appropriate subtitle. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we have we have those scenes. I don't I don't feel the need to talk about the stupid car chases or anything else. I uh, I, don't I find do that- very briefly. I, I will be brief. I promise. Then we can move on to the more interesting parts of our podcast. The car the famous car chase sequence from The Bourne Identity. Uh, with the, I believe, the Parisian police cars, was very good. It was very well done. It was very different from a lot of the car chase scenes that were going on at the time in film. It's one of those that we will be able to point to years from now. In fact, I am at this particular point in time pointing to it years after the fact and saying it had a positive impact, generally speaking, on the filming and the editing of car chase scenes, especially in the urban environment. Unfortunately, two things have happened since then, and this is why I, and I feel this is legitimate criticism in two ways. One, if you're doing the exact same thing ten years later, there is something deeply flawed with your filmmaking method. Now, I'm not just talking about sameness as a, in terms of feel. I mean, it does, but I accept that, to a degree, since you're making another sequel in the same universe, it's going to feel the same on several levels. I I accept that. I'm okay with that. The fact that you are doing the exact same thing ten years later, I believe forms a legitimate criticism of the filmmaker and his inability to grow, adapt, you know, even wake up on the the wrong side of the bed every now and then. Second, uh, the, the first one, to the best of my knowledge, incorporated no CGI. It was great. This one, because they do a bunch of stuff that, and here I'm going again, doesn't work that way, because they thought it might look cool to see a SWAT van plow through a bunch of parked cars, when in reality... After about three or four, it's stopping. There is, its momentum will be arrested. Well, it has to flip them up in the air to maintain the illusion that it can go through all these cars. All right? But it doesn't. There's no <laughs> apparatus, unless we go with, like, the, the, the old-school steam engine cow catcher on the front of this thing, that it will actually kind of lift and throw them. And even if we do that, there's plenty of evidence to suggest it won't work as intended. Well, we have computers. Let's do it that way. It's lazy. And it's bad. And you can tell in that car chase, it is, I don't know about you, Mark. To me, it's clear as day in that entire chase when, okay, we're doing this thing with real cars. And, well, Physics doesn't work this way, so blam, computers. (laughs) And it's terrible. 
It's it's just terrible. I mean, look, you can enjoy this movie on the same level you can enjoy any movie that makes you that requires you to not think or not just not think, preferably have suffered head damage. If you like Transformers, you can probably like this movie. I don't. I'm aware that you don't. I'm making a general comparison. Uh, and, yeah, that's, and, uh, nope, we're setting up another sequel. And, boy, I'm just sort of waiting for them to really take off with the Bourne Cinematic Universe. <laughs> oh, well, that's the world we live in, pal. It's a terrible, terrible place we live in. Wait a minute, did they seriously in this, whatever, wherever you pulled this synopsis from that goes into our, the description page of our review, did they seriously describe Heather Lee as a counterinsurgency expert? Uh, yeah. Whoever wrote that does not know what that means. (laughs) Uh, Even in this stupid little plot synopsis blurb, does not work that way. All right, let's talk money because I've just about yelled myself out for things that don't actually work that way. Mark, you there? there? No, yeah, I'm yeah. here. You're, you're breaking up a little bit. I don't know if it's you or Blog Talk. Uh, you were. Uh, uh, that- could be either of the. There's three different things that could be. You sound like a speaking spell. Uh, let me. Do you want me to try to call back and see if that helps? Yeah. All right. Give me a minute. When you come back, when you come back, we'll we'll have already started the money. All right. So with with that said, uh, let me cue it up here. All right, here's the second part of our podcast, where in which we talk about the finances and whatnot. Here comes the money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, 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 Yeah, there's definitely something wrong with Block Talk Radio tonight, as per usual. Um, God only knows how I'm starting to sound. In any case, uh, let's just get into it, and hopefully you can actually understand a word I'm saying. Um, Jason Bourne, production budget, $120 million. As of Tuesday, October, uh, sorry, August uh, 2nd, the movie has made a domestic cum of $72 million, uh, foreign $50 million for a grand total of $122 million, almost $123 million. So it's already made its production budget. And as we've talked about many times, it's got to double that in order to be profitable, but it's only weekend one. It absolutely blew away the competition. It was a $60 million uh, open. Star Trek ended up dropping pretty big um, in its second week. Uh, It's five-day total versus last year's Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, uh, it's uh, it's beating it. That's 72 million in five days versus 69 million in five days. Uh, let's see, what else can I tell you? Um, well, obviously they're going to be doing more Jason Bourne movies now. This this one was 
you know, it looks like it's going to be profitable. Uh, so Universal needed a hit this summer. It got it. You know, it, uh, there's not going to be any problems here as far as uh, a win for the summer. Um, who knows how far it's going to go. It's, we've got Suicide Squad this week. Uh, Pete's Dragon next week. Uh, I think Ben Hart shortly after that. Um, so we'll see how well this does over the next couple of weeks. You know, as I said, it, um, the, the pattern for this summer is even if something breaks, uh, debuts well, it ends up having a steep drop off in the second week. And, you know, pictures of Peter and out now at about 300 million if they're lucky. Um, uh, can you hear me, Mark? I can hear you. Yes, sir. All right. And now you don't sound like a speaking spell. I'm happy about that. And, hey, since we're talking money, uh, that movie that came out a couple of weeks ago that you said would reach a billion dollars, how's that doing? So, um, if, you know, like I said, if you're looking at the top ten, um, you dirty best, if you worldwide we, grocer. We still can't kick some of those movies. Kung Fu Panda's still there. That thing came out in January. I have a pet hasn't even made it into the top ten yet. Uh, Warcraft is still holding on to the 10 spot. Uh, Kung Fu Panda, X-Men Apocalypse, The Mermaid. Um, the, you know, the only movement that's really happened is Finding Dory. Finding Dory finally got to $830 million and knocked Deadpool out of the number five spot. Woo-hoo. Which means four out of five of the top five movies this year are Disney movies. It's going to be five out of five after a crappy Star Wars movie comes out. <laughs> Probably. That might be Sorry, the uh, crappy uh, is me projecting. I just forgot its title. Rogue One. Thank you. Um, yeah, no other. Excuse me. No other movie has made it to a billion dollars yet. Uh, the closest has been The Jungle Book at nine hundred and forty million. But uh, Batman vs Superman that's finished up its uh, cinematic uh, journey. It's now on Blu-ray. Um, I, you know, it's made up some money there, but as far as, you know, in theaters, it's done. Uh, it's capped at, at 872 million, just shy of the billion they were looking for. Uh, we'll see if Finding Dory eats its way to the third billion dollar picture for Disney, but, you know, this is tough to beat. I was, as I was saying before uh, you came back on again, you know, Universal doesn't have a Jurassic Park or a, or a Fast and the Furious movie this year. They needed a big win. Uh, you know, Warcraft... It's a loss. A, Warcraft will be a sequel, but that didn't turn out quite the way they wanted it to. The Secret Life of Pets is doing okay. Um, you know, the, the, that Illumination uh, studio is, is doing quite well for itself. You know, it was a $75 million picture. It's up to $406 million. Um, you know, independently run uh, studio over there at Illumination. Independent say that 372 i think it's profitable at this point but just barely so as i uh, said that, I, I imagine that is just barely and a huge disappointment it's still getting a sequel and that's and that and that's fox so if we're just talking about universal here for this year here's where we stand and why i say you know they really needed a hit with jason bourne um of the 10 movies that have come out this year uh, Warcraft, Secret Life of Pets, Huntsman, Winters, Ride Along to Jason Bourne, Neighbors to The Purge, Election Year, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, The Boss, and Hail Caesar. 
and the best they've done so far is $433 million worldwide with Warcraft. So Jason Bourne's off to a good start. It's just behind Ride Along 2, which came out in January and cumed $124 million. Uh, Jason Bourne, in its first five days, has made $122 million. So you figure it makes another, let's say, it made $60 million in its first weekend. Let's say it, it, it drops by half. It makes another $30 million now or at one fifty. You figure this thing's going to probably break $200 million um, at best. Uh, it needs to make... Uh, about it need it need it really needs to make about three hundred million um, for them to say okay we're we're doing okay here. It's not going to do Jurassic Park numbers. It's not doing Fast and the Furious. So right now it's their only hope for a you know a decent chunk of the uh, of the summer picture market. And it's not going to do all that well. Well, I said that I, I think that they're betting on three hundred million here. If it does, it gets just behind the secret life of pets. I've got to think it's doing it. I, there's a couple of other substantial, theoretically substantial movies coming out in the next couple of weeks, and the reception that Bourne's been getting is pretty lukewarm. My big fact: Greek Wedding Two. They don't even list the production budget in box office mojo, but it only made about eighty-eight million dollars. Yeah, that's what happens when you wait 12 years for a sequel to a sleeper hit. I saw it with my wife at the drive-in. It was cute. I mean, I don't understand why they felt the need to do another one 12 years later. But like I said, it was cute. It was, you know, they probably they probably made it on the cheap. They looked pretty shot this thing, you know, in my neighborhood. So, you know, it's not, not like there was a whole lot of special effects going on here or a lot of high-paid actors. And from what I understand, it was a lot of the same shtick from the first one. Yeah, I imagine so. Hail Caesar was a huge disappointment. Um, that clocked in at $22 million, and while it's made three, uh, three times that, it's still you know not quite the money they were looking for. I mean, it only made $30 million at home uh, and then $33 million across the pond. So for a total of $63 million on a $22 million budget, so profitable, yes, still not a hit. Not, not what they were looking for. No, Universal is uh, kind of like Sony this year. They're just taking their licks and are going to hope for a better next year. I think um, The Purge was made for $10 million, and that made almost $100 million, uh, worldwide. Well, so all, the Purge- of the Pur- all three of the Purge movies so far have been wildly successful financially. They're made very cheaply. And I don't mean that in terms of how they feel. I mean, they just have smaller budgets. They're smaller budget movies. But they're, they have wide releases. They have a built-in audience. And, you know, there's a dirty little secret for Hollywood. Horror movies make money. You make a decent uh, horror movie, you don't need a huge budget, and you will turn a substantial profit. Yeah, next year Universal, I think, comes to the is coming back with uh, something. You know, it's got Transformers, another fast. Well, you got Transformers, you got Furious Eight, you got like they've got some they got some cannons out for next year. Yeah, so this so this year it's it's kind of a small year. Um, lastly, the, the Huntsman Winter's War on a hundred. $15 million budget. Um, you know, they needed to make $230 million to make this thing profitable. It died at 164 So they took a loss on this one. 
and that franchise is now dead. <laughs> and, uh, you know, much as I like Chris Hemsworth and much as I like Charlize Theron, I think it's probably best that franchise – I mean, they should have just been happy with the surprise money they made from the first one. There was no need for this. Considering how bad that one was. Actually, one last bit of figures for Universal. On a $29 million budget, the other Melissa McCarthy vehicle this year, the Boss, uh, made $78 million worldwide. Melissa McCarthy no. is not a draw, people. Get over it. No. Wait, a 30 million, on a $30 million budget, that one was successful. It was technically well. profitable, but if you listen to the people who were big McCarthy supporters, that, was, that is somewhere between 30 and $40 million less than they were hoping for. Well, either way, you know, when you're universal this year and you don't have a lot of heavy cannons, you take your profits where you can get them. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to the third part of our podcast here where we revisit a subject we talked about at the, at the onset, actually, which is how piss poor the critics are at their job. Are you ready? Are you trying to set me up to click on that, or are you going to do it? It's your job to click. My, uh, the, okay, I the okay. I just wanted to, to make sure. Let me find it. I say, are you ready, sir? Um, there it is. Oh no, God! No, God, please, no! 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 All right. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, which let me address something very quickly. Very quickly, please let's not pull this into an hour-long rant. I just need to address it quickly. Rotten Tomatoes is a, is a site that collects data and presents it in a nice way for people like myself to look at and get a picture of how well a movie is doing critically. That's it. That's what it does. There, there are, there's nobody writing reviews at Rotten Tomatoes. Or if they are, that's not what the site is all about. So if a movie, like say like Suicide Squad, which is dropping fast, people, when I when I when I first saw what it what it posted at and where it is now is a de- degree drop of about five or six points, or at thirty one percent rotten. That's was not thirty seven this morning. It's only getting worse. <laughs> That's not Rotten Tomatoes' fault. Look, I'm excited for Suicide Squad. I can't wait to go see it Friday night. Yeah, I told and I, I, I hate you for that, just by the way. Your mother. Um, <laughs> I, I told my wife, I said, I may have to end Long Road to Rowan early and, dri- you know, and, and drive like a madman uh, back to the theater just because I can't wait one more day to go see it Friday. I'm that excited for Suicide Squad. And Mark, it, you are going to be bombarded by neckbeards and horny teenagers who exist only to watch Margot Robbie and skimpy outfits. Well, I can't blame them. My you point can is, and you should. Can I get through this? 31% is not, it's not Rotten Tomatoes' fault. Stop calling for the site to... There are people who, ha, who, who went on change.org or petition.org or yourmother.org. These are the same assholes who, you know, who demanded that uh, fucking Deadpool not be rated R. I, I, ugh. So they went on one of these petition websites, and, they was like, and, and they're angry that on Rotten Tomatoes it's got a low score, as if, that, as if Rotten Tomatoes has anything to do with it, since it's a, collection of, uh, it's a collection of critic reviews that either have two choices. It can either be fresh or uh, rotten. 
And even and the, and the people at Rotten Tomatoes have even said it's not a perfect way of doing things. For example, if you give a movie two and a half stars out of uh, out of five, well, that's average. But if you but if you click rotten, then there's nothing they can do. <laughs> you know, it, I, I have actually seen what looks like decent scores, and then it come up as rotten on that person's review. So a little imperfect. I've also seen people look like they wrote really nice things about a movie, and it still show up as rotten. So it's imperfect. This is not an exact science and certainly not a reason for an entire website to be torn down by the masses uh, of uh, vagrants and, and Mongols out there. Jesus Christ. Vandals. I, 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 you had, let me briefly say this, and then we'll move on with this segment, because we're going to do this again next week in greater detail, I promise you all. Dear morons. <laughs> Kindly, you, have, you theoretically have access to the Internet. You've signed your online petitions via the Internet. I'm going to assume you know how Google works. Look up aggregate. I'll even spell it for you. A-G-G-R-E-G-R-A-T-E. Look it up. Now apply a little bit of logic to how that works. They collect all these reviews from other people on other websites and assemble them for you. If you shut down Rotten Tomatoes tomorrow, every single critic who reviewed it negatively would still have a job, even though some of them shouldn't, would still have the same opinion, and would still publish their findings simply through other means, like, you know, the people who pay them to do it. Metacritic has it at the same score, and you're not crying about that. Understand the service you are getting from that website. Understand how it reaches its conclusions. Look, Mark had a hissy fit about Fury Road being at 98%, and I had to patiently explain how aggregates work. No, I threw a hissy fit for the right reason. I couldn't believe that many critics liked it. Yeah, and it's. I'm not going to get into that argument with you. I'm just not. <laughs> it sucked. Mark, I'm not getting into that argument with you. Jerry Road is the worst thing ever captured on film. You're trying, Mark. Stop <laughs> trying to wind me up. <laughs> wind him up, Chuck. Wind him up. Because you had the temerity to come on here and defend that cinematic excrement that was Ghostbusters. You do not have the credibility at this point. To try and mock my taste. I have all the credibility. Yeah, you're the one guy. Right, sure. You and Luke Thomas, who hated The Martian. Oh, God, he did. You're the the only one who saw it clearly, I'm sure. That's right. I speak the truth. Truth to power. Can we get on with this? So anyway, dear morons who are trying to get this shut down because your feelings got hurt. Critics didn't like the movie. I'm going to go out on a minor limb here and say it's because it's not a good movie. Now, I haven't seen it yet. Mark, uh, and I will be back. Mark and I will be back here next week to review it. And I imagine my opinion will be relatively unchanged. Not because I'm obstinate about this, but because I formulated that based on facts known. Now, 
here's the other thing. If I see it and I love it and I come back here next week and I wind up yelling at everyone for reviewing it rotten, then fine. I will eat the crow that is my prediction on that. But two things very briefly. One, do not confuse your enjoyment of something with that, with that being an indicator of quality. I don't understand how we got to a point where, well, I like it means it's good. Do you know what the most watched television show on the air right now is? American Idol? No. MasterChef? No. Keeping up with the Kardashians? There we go. Nah, I knew I was going to get it. Now, I am, there, so there are millions of people who watch and enjoy that. I would imagine none of them have the temerity to pretend that it's good. <laughs> this is the same thing. If you like something that's crap, that's fine. More power to you. There are movies that I like that are not good. I'm okay with it. I made my peace with it. Kindly do the same. So having said that, 121 fresh reviews, 93 rotten, still on the tomato meter. It averaged out to a rotten score of 57%, Jason Bourne did. So here we go uh, with a mix and match. All right, different- bring it on. All right. Are you ready, sir? I'm warmed up. I'm ready. I am more ready than – I don't know. I don't have an appropriate way to finish that sentence. I'm ready. Daniel de Partiero Arroyo, Cinemania in Spain. Greengrass and Damon know well how to do this. Four to five stars. Well, no. If by this you mean make the same movie for the last decade, sure. That's not an endorsement. Steve Purcell of the Tampa Bay Times says, Damon as Jason Bourne is a study in action flick empathy with a trace of ordinary to make us believe, hey, we could do that. Are you fucking kidding me? I just watched watched all three Bourne movies uh, yesterday, and I had to laugh my ass off with the uh, with the born ultimatum, where the one guy uh, forces the car into the divider, and somehow Matt Damon isn't dead. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, there is nothing realistic about the amount of things Matt Damon survives. There is n- the notion of you know the every man with enough training that I will admit is somewhat. That that's a somewhat passable argument if you're discussing the first if you're discussing the born identity. I will accept your argument that this is not Superman. He's very skilled and he has, you know, good reaction times and lots of training, but you know, he gets hit, he gets shot, he bleeds, he's I accept that in the first movie they didn't take it to the silly extreme. The entirety of the fight between and not, okay, the, the entire car chase scene through Vegas and the subsequent fight between Matt Damon and Vincent Cassell takes place after they have both been shot. Think about that for a minute. No, you, you, your premise is flawed on every conceivable level. Mark, you should probably you probably live in the same city as that buffoon. 
Go write something nasty on it. Go write something nasty on his windshield and deodorant. You say, do you want me to show up to his house and slap him with a gripper? Puddington, the Irish Independent. It takes a special kind of film actor to make a performance like this work, and Mr. Damon certainly fits that bill. Ugh. No, 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 it doesn't. There's there's very little performing he actually has to do. And the yeah. times we actually tread towards emotional territory, he oversells it a bit. And again, he's not believable. All three feet, you know, of Matt Damon is not believable in this. Matt role. Damon is taller than Tom Cruise. Um, Tom Cruise is two feet. Matt tall. Damon is the same size as Batfleck. Is he really? Yeah. Looks much. Have you, have you ever seen those two in a movie together? Come on. <laughs> a uh, C.J. Johnson of ABC Radio Australia. A pumped-up, giddily-rewarding espionage travelogue, which is pretty much how I remember the first Born movie from all those years ago. Sir, go back and rewatch the Born Identity. Nope, no, sir. The Born Identity manages to not be, hey, we're in all these places across Europe. When you get to the second and third, yeah, that's what they are. <laughs> I actually agree with this. I'm sure you will too. But I, I just, I'm reading because I thought it was funny. Christopher Orr of The Atlantic, top critic. The movie feels like the work of a capable but uninspired cover band. Before we had Treadstone, now we have Retreadstone. Ha ha ha. All right. Oh, yeah, I agree completely with that. I think Jeff Harris mentioned, uh, if you're, since you, know, you and I are both combat sports fans, that it felt like this pairing had ring rust. And I think there's some truth to that. I also think there's, you know, the severe limitations of Paul Greengrass as a filmmaker. Andrea Lee of the Daily Star. The pace, the pace is breezy, and the action scenes are expertly staged. But while Bourne was shaking off his memory loss, I was hit with a severe case of deja vu. Yeah, look, <laughs> we, Mark and I have talked a little bit about is, and there's a legitimate question to is been there, done that, a legitimate form of criticism. It is and it isn't. There are times when it is, and there are times when it isn't. In this case, I think it borders on accurate criticism because it's not familiar in the sense that, like uh, when we talked about uh, X-Men Apocalypse, uh, a lot of the critics were down on that because, well, the world's in danger again, and the X-Men come together again, and they stop the big bad guy again. Which is not fair. That's what they, I mean, by definition, that's kind of how these movies go. If you're bored by that, fine, say so. Don't pretend that's necessarily a knock on the film. In this case, because you are making almost literally the same movie, I think it's a legitimate form of criticism. Uh, Mark Commode of The Observer UK Amid such visceral spectacle, Damon injects a much-needed air of humanity. His speech may be sparse, but his body is expressively talkative, conveying violence, pathos, and even tragedy in surprisingly precise fashion. No, sir, once again, you're thinking of the born identity. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie to all of you out there. If you would like to understand how to act physically through the range of emotions that 
hypothetically Matt Damon goes through in this movie. There was a very under-the-radar, not-seen-a-whole-lot movie starring Dwayne Johnson called Faster. There are pros and cons to this movie. Dwayne Johnson's physical acting, especially through his face, throughout the totality of that movie, goes, it takes you on that, on that same, theoretically, elements of that same emotional trip. And this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone, but The Rock is physically a very good actor. If you want to see how you convey emotion via body language and facials rather than through dialogue, look that movie up, because it's a much better study in that premise. Robert Liam Levin of AM New York These guys couldn't make a boring movie if they tried. But it's time to move on from Bourne. Well, you're half right. Yeah, no, look. Again, let us define boring very briefly. If by boring you mean they couldn't make a movie that doesn't feature a shaky cam, multitude of car crash sequences, followed by a million cuts between each punch, fist fight then you're correct. They don't know how to make a movie that doesn't flow that way. However, just because things are blowing up on screen does not mean a movie is exciting. Transformers are fundamentally boring movies. Plenty of stuff blows up. (laughs) Tony Medley of the Tulican Times. An entertaining film marred by ridiculous car chases, but one does get to look at Alicia Vikander for two hours, and there's nothing wrong with that. <sighs> Yay for misogyny. That's uh, not even I accurate to... misogyny. I mean, I'm not trying to insult the woman's looks. I only have, this is the only, to the best of my knowledge, this is the only movie I've seen her in. I'm sure she's an attractive woman. I just, I can't imagine he didn't write that without his pants on. I can't imagine he actually wrote that. How do you arrive at that? How how does that how does that enter into the equation when reviewing this movie? When Mark and I have differing opinions about Margot Robbie next week and her relative value, she has none, by the way. That's a lie. No, it's really not. There are more attractive women than Margot Robbie in the world. Many of them have, yeah. several of them you're happen to be better actors as well. Again. Hey, you're entering speaking spell land again. Let's, let's move this on. Uh, sorry. Um, Point I want to read this one. You singled out something that had no bearing on the film. It, it, no, y- your premise is flawed. Your sentence structure is bad. And you somehow managed to take a role that was not intended to be sexist and turn it that way through the sheer force of your stupidity. Congratulations. Uh, hang on. I lost something. Um, all right. Amy Nicholson of MTV, only because we keep reading, we keep beating on this woman. I wanted to read one that was, you know, I actually kind of agree with. Director Paul Greengrass uh, refuses to tangle with any of the true life topics he's borrowing for Gravitas. Oh, I can't say disagree with that. See previous statement about nothing in this movie works that way. 
All right, we're going to do one more of these because Robert's mostly unintelligible and Blog Talk Radio is having one of its famous fits tonight. Um, Peter Rayner of the Christian Science Monitor, top critic. This new installment in the series is one of the better ones, and he gave it a B. Well, it's the same movie as two and three. So by definition, it's inferior to the first, but one of the better ones, sure, it's the same as two and three. I suppose you you worded that vaguely enough to be somewhat accurate. All right. I have no idea how we sound at this point. I know Robert's coming through terrible. Um, So we're going to say goodnight to Robert Winfrey. We'll be back next Tuesday. Uh, We had to move around some stuff on the calendar to Robert Cooper's work schedule. So we'll be back on Tuesday to do Suicide Squad. Um, Wednesday is the Metal Hammer of Doom. We'll be reviewing... Oh, crap. (laughs) What are we doing next week? Uh, Next week is Tarja, the Shadow Cell, formerly of Nightwish. Um, Also, I'll be on uh, a live episode of the Source Material on Monday. We'll be talking about from the New 52 Harley Quinn Volume 1, where she's in Brooklyn. Brooklyn's in the house. What? Yeah, Brooklyn's in the house. Um, That's it for now. Uh, Check out Robert Winfrey's uh, wonderful writing on 401mania.com and the MMA Zone. Uh, He'll be back in the host chair again, as I said, next Tuesday. Uh, tomorrow night, Sean Comer, Andrew Graham, and I will all be talking about the, uh, the aforementioned Bourne movies. Um, until then, like I said, hopefully this is somewhat intelligible. Sorry about the sound issues tonight, folks. It's Blog Talk Radio. Shit happens. We'll see you next week. Be well, be safe, and behave.